This is the Sooner Schooner Show on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, we are going to break down OU's matchup with Cincinnati, and I'll give you a couple of Bearcats to watch that maybe you're not thinking of. I know that there are two obvious guys that you're going to watch for this upcoming game, but I think there are a couple of other dudes that certainly need to be mentioned, so those are the guys that we'll focus on. We'll talk about OU's offensive identity, why you shouldn't overthink it, and why we will be the BS meter between you and Jeff Lebby. Jeff Lebby has a certain idea of what he wants his offense to look like, and there's what he's telling you he wants his offense to look like. We'll hear from Ted Roof. We'll hear from Dylan Gabriel. And we are just going to rock and roll as conference play is starting for the Sooners. Do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating and write a written review. Before we get started, do both those things. The five-star rating helps us elevate this content, get it out to more people. And the written review helps us give it helps us get an idea of what content you want. So we can deliver on that every single week here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And if you take a screenshot of both and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will give you a koozie, and that's a pretty good offer. Just a written review and a five-star rating, and for your troubles, you get a Heartland College Sports koozie. Well, let's talk about OU's offensive identity because that has been a hot topic this week. And make absolutely no mistake about it, what you saw the Sooners do against Tulsa this past weekend is exactly what Jeff Levy wants to do every single week. He wants his quarterback, or in this case quarterbacks, to throw for six touchdowns. He wants to rack up almost 600 yards of total offense by throwing the ball around more than he is running it. And if he can score in the 50s, so much the better. And and, and from his standpoint, if the defense can just hold the other team, to somewhere between 24 to 28 points, and you can put up 50 on them, then you've done your job. Now, that's not my kind of football. Look, personally, I like it a lot more physical, a lot less finesse, but that's what OU's become over the last few years. I mean, even going back before Lincoln Riley, this is kind of the offense or kind of what Bob Stoops had envisioned OU's offense being. And what you saw against Tulsa was a little bit of anomaly in today's college football, which is a team being able to put up 66 points. And granted, I know uh, Trace Ford had a pick six in that one, which, which added to that score. But it's an anomaly in the fact that you would score so many points, but only give up so few. And of course, OU got lucky because Tulsa turned the ball over five times in that game. Five interceptions. Uh, three in the first quarter alone. But this is what you want to see. And here's the thing. Every spread offensive slash guru, anybody that comes out of this spread school, will always tell you they want to run the ball, they want to be more physical, that's the key to win. No, they don't. They want to throw as much as humanly possible. They want those big six-foot-four receivers like Nick Anderson to use that frame to haul in catches, uh, to make to be able to make you know yards after the catch, and you know have these big explosive plays. That's really what they're looking for: explosive plays. If they come in the running game, great. But more than likely, 
they're going to come from throwing the ball all around the field. And if you don't believe me, just watch how every single spread offensive guru, offensive coordinator operates. And I've just come to the point where I just understand that this is the way that football is going to be, or this is the way that OU football is going to be. I don't think that OU is going to have a head coach anytime in the near future that doesn't have an offensive coordinator that doesn't run this style that doesn't run this style of offense. And what I find interesting about it is, especially now, is you've got Brent Venables, who is a defensive coordinator. And most defensive coordinators would prefer you be more physical. They would prefer that you have a conventional element inside that offense, which means that you can get your quarterback under center. And if you need to hand the ball off and you've got guys that can get you four yards a pop and earn tough yards and grind it out when you can, that's what most defensive coordinators want or more defensive-oriented head coaches want. But they always end up going out and hiring these type of guys. So that's not exactly what they get. And with there being so little so little time to actually work on the game itself, most colleges don't have the opportunity to implement that kind of conventional style of play because you've got to work on what you do best. And what OU does best is the spread and throw it around. And if that's what you do best and that's what's going to win you games, then by God, you need to go out and do it. Now, Jeff Levy's never going to admit that. <laughs> they just won't. They won't admit that. They won't admit that this is the way that they want to win games. Mike Leach would do it, but even his disciples want to want to shy away from that. And I don't know. I, certainly, I don't think it's to appease people like me or my co-host, Pat Jones, who I work with at 97.1 The Sports Animal, I think it's just to appease the defensive coordinators and maybe appease head coaches like Brent Venables, like Nick Saban, who come from more of a defensive background. But the truth of the matter is, it is a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, yeah, sure, we're going to do that. And here is Jeff Levy from Monday talking about what the the identity of the offense is and how important it is to have an identity. Okay, way back, John. Remember? Yeah, Jeff, uh, is it important in college football, is it, can it be a priority for an offense to have a quote-unquote identity? Is that a thing or is that a media creation where what is your identity? And if it is, what's the identity for this Oklahoma offense? Yeah, I, I, th- I think it is important to have an identity. You know, hopefully when people watch us, they see us playing really fast, being fearless and having great physicality about the unit and that that's who we want to be you know we want to be a, an offense that's on the attack uh, that has great balance and it's going to take what the defense gives us and so that that to us is you know who we want want to be every single saturday how does that change over the course of the season or or does it do you evolve do you like get more physical against certain teams you see what i'm saying yeah i, I think the biggest thing is what you're getting on the other side of the football you know if you have the ability to sit back there and pitch and catch and throw it all over the yard because that's what you're being presented then then do that if the box is incredibly light and you got a chance to go run the football 74 times go do that so uh, putting guys in positions of success that's our job but ultimately playing fast being fearless and how we call it and and having great physicality are the three things that you know when people watch us that they see that how you was going to start off attacking cincinnati That is a fascinating discussion because the offensive line has got their hands full this week. 
Uh, first and foremost, you've got to deal with Dante Corleone. This is the guy that you know all about. Um, All-American, uh, obviously preseason All-American, 6'2", 318. This guy is physical enough to stop the run. He can also get to the quarterback. On one side of him, you've got 6'3", 260-pound redshirt sophomore Eric Phillips and the guy I'm going to tell you to watch because you're, I know you're focused on Corleone, but the guy I'm going to tell you to look out for is Jawan Briggs. Now, this kid's a senior, 6'2", 297. There are all your, all your, all your vital stats, um, but this guy transferred from Virginia. He's originally an Ohio kid, transferred from Virginia back to Cincinnati, the thing I like about this guy and what makes him so dadgum dangerous is he's versatile. You know, they've got him listed at, at defensive end, and I'm sure that he puts his hand in the ground. I'm also sure that you can move him around to wherever you need to move him around, and he's going to be very effective. But this guy actually started 13 games at nose, at nose tackle and ended up recording 61 tackles. OU is going to have to work to, one, make sure Dylan Gabriel stays off the ground, but, two, they're going to have to work really hard to open up holes for that run game. And we joke about how OU, or we talk about how OU, is not good. It doesn't want to be a very balanced attack. OU wants to throw the ball around as much. And you just heard Jeff Levy say, well, we'll take what the defense gives us. It'll be interesting to see what exactly Cincinnati gives OU. And I would think OU is going to want to come out throwing the ball and taking advantage of that receiving core that established itself, that established itself quite beautifully last week against Tulsa. And I would think that you would want to throw the ball around as much as possible to open up the holes for the run. That being said, Dealing with a guy like Dante Corleone, dealing with a guy that is, or uh, two other guys that are long and physical, certainly could make for a long day for this offensive line. And Jeff Levy talked about that on Monday. He's a guy that's played incredibly well. They've they've got a bunch of guys really that have played incredibly well. That again, it's a big, long, physical group, um, and we've got to do a great job being able to mix it up, you know, changing the tempo, being able to do some th things where we are huddling and we're slowing down and, and making sure that we, we've got the right guys had it just because of some of the different presentations that we're getting defensively. So we'll continue to do that, uh, being able to mix it up and change it up and varying the tempos as we, as we play. You have to love the way OU is approaching this game, not just from the way that the coaches are, are saying what they're saying, but from the way that the players are saying what they're saying. Uh, listen to a little bit of Dylan Gabriel this week, and he's excited, one, because it's a conference game. And and, and don't make, make no mistake about this. OU last year was 3-0 and when conference play got started before they got manhandled by Kansas State. That is still leaving a very bad taste in most of these guys' mouths. That's something that they want to correct. So this game with Cincinnati, for as big as it is for UC and for as nuts as that crowd is going to be at Nippert Stadium on Saturday and all of the 10,000 it sits, you know, I exaggerate. It's like, what, 50,000 max? Eh, who cares? It's Cincinnati. Oh, he's only going to be there one year. Look, that crowd will be worked into a fever. Those players will be worked into a fever because, yeah, they're first of all, they're coming off a loss to Miami of Ohio in a game that they should have won and dominated from a lot of pers and dominated from a lot of perspectives. They are going to definitely 
want to get back in the win column, but it's their first conference game as a big as a Big 12 member and you get historically the most successful program in Big 12 history coming to your place. And the last remember the last time OU played Cincinnati and you got to go back to when Sam Bradford was quarterback, OU just squeaked out a win against these guys. So yeah, they're going to believe that they can do it. They're gonna, this is a team that still has some guys that were able to go to a New Year's Six Bowl on it. So it is a big freaking deal to them. But I don't think OU is taking it any – I don't think OU is taking it lightly at all just because of the name Cincinnati and just because it's a little strange that these guys are in the same conference. No, OU has to be fired up because OU knows – that you can't come out and lay an egg like you did against K-State last year. And still, the overall goal for OU is to get to the playoffs, especially when you've started off 3-0 and and played as, played as well as you have. And one thing about this game that I, I think we've, we've got to take into consideration is can OU come out, one, can they establish the throw, two, can they run, and B, can they shut Cincinnati up early? Oh, he's a heavy favorite in this game. Can they shut Cincinnati up early and start creating doubt? I believe that OU can do all three of those things. And one of the keys to this is going to be Dylan Gabriel. Like we said, can he stay off his back? And when he does, can he find his receivers, especially a guy like Nick Anderson? And here, Dylan Gabriel tells us not only about the Cincinnati Bearcats, but about Nick Anderson and how the rest of these young, young receivers are starting to come along, and maybe we shouldn't have doubted them all along. I did. Uh, I, I knew it's just a matter of time and opportunity, and I knew uh, you know a lot of those guys were taking advantage of that opportunity. You know, uh, I say the same for all the young guys coming up. You know, with, with Pedway making plays, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. Um, just as a group, I think they've showed that, obviously, in practice, but now being able to have the opportunity is super cool. Those yeah. big guys, when they have a big catch radius like that, how does that change your delivery or your the way you think about where you have to play football? I, I just think of it like this, you know, if you're bigger, taller, faster, and someone's smaller, shorter, slower, then you got an advantage. So. What's your early thoughts on Cincinnati? I think they were, you know, really talented. Obviously, they've played a, a bunch of good football and lost a close one, but you know, they're a really good team and um, have a really good defense, so it'll be a great challenge, uh, you know, playing there and excited to, you know, get out there. So. Offensively, Cincinnati's a pretty balanced team. They run the ball pretty well. Obviously, they can throw it. Uh, their quarterback, Emory Jones, yes, you've heard of him. <laughs> you've, you've heard of Emory. I almost feel like saying that about every college kid that's playing that playing this year because of, because of the because of the transfer portal. Look, you've heard of Emory Jones. Emory Jones is a kid that played at Florida for his first few years, then played at Arizona State. He's now transferred out to Cincinnati. Uh, he's considered a redshirt senior, 6'3", 210, moves around really well, throws the ball really well. And one of his favorite targets, again, guy I'm telling you to watch, here's the second player to watch in this game, Xavier Henderson, who's also, guess what, a, a transfer uh, student. Um, golly, this kid transferred. Uh, this kid transferred from Florida. Um, 
watch out for this guy, man. He had a he had a lot of catches uh, in his last game. In fact, he's had 20 catches so far this year, and he's tied with Samuel Brown for the most in the Big 12. Samuel Brown out of Houston. Um, so far this season, um, one touchdown, but uh, 299 yards, 6'3", 200 out of, and he's a transfer out of Florida. So the thing about Emory Jones that makes him so dangerous isn't just simply the fact that he can run the ball, but the thing you hate about playing against these quarterbacks is the fact that they can extend plays. They can extend plays with their leg, and when you with their legs, and when you've got a six-three target like that, it certainly can make life difficult for the secondary. Here's Ted Roof on Emory Jones. Ted, you're facing this as a quarterback, really mobile. I uh, just talked about containment and just keeping him in the pocket, keeping him contained. Yeah, well, you know, you're exactly right. He's really mobile, uh, explosive, makes a, explosive plays with both his arm and his feet. He's not just a, a running quarterback. He's a guy that can read coverages and throw it and throws it accurately. And a strong arm can make all the throws. And on top of that, you know, like you said, the uh, the athleticism, the ability to, to tuck it down and run and extend plays with his feet. So defensively, that presents a lot of problems. And it's something, you know, from a contained standpoint, we got to limit his area of operation. You know, as we said earlier, one of the big focal points of the most recent media session, because look, let's face it, the TU game, everybody got their questions out of the way on Saturday. There wasn't really much anything to talk about coming back this week. You're starting conference play. And one one of the big topics of conversation was, is where are you now for OU as compared to where they were this time last year after three games. And this time last year after three games, it was a mirage for a lot of fans. A lot of fans thought OU was better than what they were after they went out and thumped Nebraska. And then you lost those three straight games and lost them in such brutal fashion to uh, Kansas State, TCU, and Texas, or K-State, Texas, TCU, however you want to put the order. But it was just absolutely brutal. And now... You're just wanting to make sure what you're seeing now isn't a mirage. I'm going to tell you, it's not. Again, if I was a stockbroker and OU was a stock, I would tell you to buy a lot of OU stock over the next couple of weeks because it's only going to go up. Then you're going to have two choices. You either sell it before Texas or hold to see if they beat Texas. And if they do beat Texas and you've got that stock, then you sell it because it can't go up because there isn't anybody else they play on the schedule that's really going to give them an opportunity to rise in value. But the reason I don't think what you're seeing is a mirage is, one, because Trace Ford has certainly come to play. You know, we saw that with, with the pick six. But, I mean, this guy is doing an incredible job getting off blocks. You've got several guys on the defense. The defense isn't just about Danny Stutzman. Bowman's coming along great. Canick is coming along fantastic right now. Um, Gentry Williams, I thought, had a pretty good game against Tulsa. So it, it's all, it feels like it's coming together. You don't see you don't see guys just closing their eyes, diving at people. You see the OU defense wanting to make tackles. And the offense, I, I, the offense has played a hell of a lot better than I thought it could play. I don't know how much better it can get. Um, I want to think it'll be a lot better once Gavin Sawchuk is healthy and ready to go. And I know that that's still a tough deal for Jeff Levy to make sure that he and all the other running backs are getting the quality reps they need to get 
in in order to be ready for these games. And honestly, I think Saturday, you know, James Hale and I discussed it. He thinks Javante Barnes is going to start. He's probably right. If I'm Jeff Levy, I go out, I start Gavin Sawchuk and try and get him cranked up. Because if you're talking about knocking the rust off of him, then he needs to get more reps than everybody else. Of course, that then again hurts all the other running backs. Still, I like where OU is. I think you're good at running back. You're better at receiver than you thought. Offensive line will continue to get better. And defensively, I don't feel like we've even remotely seen the best that this team has to offer defensively. And you've only given up 28 points through the first three games, all three to FBS opponents. But why why do you want my opinion on this? All right, let's hear what Ted Roof has to say about where the OU defense is right now. Well, I think that uh, if you, when you look at tape and you look at the execution, uh, I think we've executed better at this point than we have last year. But again, that's only three weeks in the season. Uh, it's about you know today and tomorrow, and then it'll be about Saturday and this week. And you know we've got we got we got something to prove every day. And uh, so that's that's our approach. That's our mindset. That's our players' mindset. And uh, you know we got to move forward and get better. Not that I like to make predictions on this show because I think prediction radio is is pretty boring. And I basically try and do, I basically try and do a radio segment. I just kind of put it into podcast form because that's the way I know how to broadcast. And I get it. Podcasting and, and radio shows are a little bit different. Not that I like to make predictions, but I do see OU being able to cover that 14 and a half this week. I love where the Sooners are right now, not just on, on the offensive and defensive side, but I love where they are in the kicking game despite Jaleel Farouk's um, fumble on on the kickoff return, and hey, oh, I mean, oh, you got that back. Gentry Williams got it back, and oh, you made TU pay for it. But I just I like where the mindset of this team is, and, and unlike other OU teams that have started off and gotten fat and happy, I don't see Brent Venables letting this team get fat and happy. And I think every time he starts to sense that these guys are getting a little bit too overconfident. He'll be able to go back to next last year and keep these guys under control. So I like OU against Cincinnati this week. And next week, it's on to Iowa State, uh, which we will preview that game. So make sure that uh, you subscribe. Remember, rate us five stars, write a written review, take a screenshot, send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And until then, I'm Mary G saying snoochie boochies. <laughs>